Mouthing Off is a theater, arts, and culture podcast from Bad Mouth Theater Company in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm Amanda Forstrom. I'm Kevin Couchman. And I'm Mari Sittner. Mouthing Off features compelling interviews and discussions with artists and creators from around the Twin Cities and beyond. Tune in for something different online where you get your podcasts at badmouthtc.com and on the air in St. Paul through Frogtown Radio 94.1 FM. And if you've got something going on around the Twin Cities you'd like to talk about, we want to hear from you. Email us at badmouthtc at gmail.com. Mouthing Off is sponsored by Minnesota Playlist, the digital destination for live performing arts. Producers can find talent to work with. Directors can cast productions with audition ads. Teachers can find students with a classified. And audiences can find the perfect show to attend on the state's largest calendar of theater and dance shows. Find out more at minnesotaplaylist.com. We hope you enjoy the show. We're back with another episode of Melting Off, the theater arts and culture podcast for the Twin Cities and beyond, stretching all the way to Osseo today. We'll come to it. We've got a great guest for you. I'm Kevin Kautzman in beautiful St. Paul, waiting for the spring to, to be sprung. It's coming. Joined by both my partners in crime today. We have the whole, the full, the full tripod, Mari Sittner out in New York City. Mari, how are you? I'm good. You took the words right out of my mouth. I'm freezing and I'm ready for the early spring that the groundhog predicted. It's not here it's yet. <laughs> any day now, any day now. And Amanda Forstrom is here as well. Amanda, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Come on, Phil, pull through. He's got this. <laughs> oh, and, it's uh, it, yo. I'm go. just excited that it's still light out at 5:30. That makes me happy. Absolutely. Where we get out of a thing that we do, you know, on the weekends right around 530. And it's like, oh, my gosh, we can still, you know, we can still see each other. What a what a gift. What a gift to be alive another year here in beautiful Minnesota. And we're joined by actor uh, Liv Kemp. Liv is here to talk about a production that's going on at Yellow Tree Theater. Yes. Osseo, Liv, welcome to Mouthing Off. It's your first time in the show. Welcome. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Great. We're excited to have you. Let's get right into it. So you're in the middle of a production right now. Tell people about it. Tell people what it is, why they want to get out, where they can find tickets. Let's go. Yeah, of course. So I am part of Yellow Tree Theater's production of Toil and Trouble. It's by Lauren Gunderson. We know and love. She's done uh, Silent Sky, The Revolutionists. A lot of great Lauren Gunderson plays out there happening around the Twin Cities. Um, we are directed by Brandon Ragu and Austin Van is our artistic director. She helped us out with our fight choreo and intimacy. Um, and we are running now through March 3rd. And you can find your tickets on yellowtreetheater.com slash toil and trouble. We also have a ticket discount code right now. It's 30 all caps for $30 tickets. And yeah, we're up in Osseo, which is about like a 25-ish minute drive from the Twin Cities. And yeah, so Toil and Trouble is a uh, modern adaptation of Macbeth. Um, oh, ah. Can we yes. say it on the radio? Ah. I do know. We have the, do we have the, the curse? Listen, or? listen, listen. St. Paul, Paul's tough. St. Paul can handle it. <laughs> we can handle it. I won't say it. She can say it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, 
we've just made the decision. We say it in the theater all the time. Mm-hmm. Nothing bad has happened. So I think if you're doing a show that pertains to um, Macbeth, you you got to say it. I I I applaud your uh, the sort of insanity. That's good. Just really lean into the curse and the malevolence of it all. That's great. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I believe in it sometimes, but with this Mm. one, we just we just had to give in and and say it. Um, So yeah, it's it's set during the 2008 recession, which is you know a really interesting time of a. Everyone's clawing for work and and clawing out of poverty and ambition makes you do some crazy things. So it's these three millennial best friends. Um, the Macbeth character kind of morphs into Matt. The Lady M character Matt, transforms into a Beth. And then we have Adam, who's kind of everybody else. And uh, it's these three friends who come up with this crazy idea to take over a small island which has some great natural resources and try to um, capitalize off of that, which ends up obviously not going too well. And uh, someone gets a little excited with a dagger. Mm. I so. would love to see to see three millennials on an island, though, like the planning of it and then also the continuation, like the next episode. So Lauren Gunderson, if you're listening out there, I would like to see... Uh, the TV show of three millennials on an island uh, trying to trying to build a society. Three <laughs> oh, millennials, yeah. yeah, on an island, one phone. Oh my god! Yeah, well, Oof. and here we have our our Blackberries and the Motorolas and the uh, flip phones. We got a lot of good props. Oh, take me back to two thousand and eight. Take me <laughs> back to the. I, I want to relive the day that Lehman Brothers crashed. What an exciting time to be alive. <laughs> So right. many. It, 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 we've really lived in in very fast times, haven't we? It feels like a a lifetime ago, but it's really not that long ago, is it? No, no. Um, yeah, it's been very interesting. We all have very different perspectives on the the recession, and uh, one of our cast members was like a recent graduate when it happened, and someone else was uh, just starting their like acting career, and yeah, it was a rough, rough time, and. Um, like I said, the ambition part of it just makes makes you so blind to everything else around you and makes you do some morally questionable things sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. And I feel like that resonates so well with the time that we're in right now. So kudos to Yellow Tree for uh, uh, making this show Toil and Trouble a part of their season, because I feel a lot of people are in that place right now. They're very ambitious. There's a lot of moral gray area going on. And um, yeah, I think it's a great time to stage that play. I agree. I agree. Um, There are definitely parallels. I mean, history always repeats itself. Um, And this story, I feel, you know, though it's set in a very specific time, it it could be shifted to today's world and you could have a different circumstance, but very similar things happen where, yeah, we, we're put in difficult situations and we do difficult things. Let me hit it right now. So this is at yellowtreetheater.com, T-R-E, yellowtreetheater.com. T-R-E-E, yes. And the, yeah, oh, yeah. tree, T-R-E-E, theater. <laughs> T-R-E. Nailed yes. it. <laughs> yes. And code 30, all caps. 30, all caps. Yes. For $30 tickets. 
Great. Well, let me ask you, so how long have you worked at Yellow Tree? Give us the give us the broad Yellow Tree pitch. Uh, and then, uh, you know, later I want to ask you about your about yourself, about your background. I saw you you were at Interlochen. A uh, good buddy yeah. of mine has kind of a, has land over there. So I drove by and he's like, that's Interlochen. I'm like, I have no idea what that is. Now I know. In yeah. any case, let's, let's start with the Yellow Tree question. Of course. So Yellow Tree Theater is uh, a really beautiful community theater and they they chose Osseo because there really wasn't a lot of art up there. Um, and now our artistic director is Austin Van, and she's our amazing fearless leader. They really bring amazing production value up to this small town that doesn't have a lot of theater in it. Um, they bring up some really, really incredible actors um, and really incredible directors uh, to bring quality theater up to that community. So, um, this is my first time working at Yellow Tree. I actually just graduated um, in the spring. So I'm kind of fresh in the scene and I was so lucky to be able to work here early in my career. Um, it's been just like a really, really lovely, um, like warm hug of a theater experience. Uh, I love the Yellow Tree space. It's very small and intimate. I have a cat, he is joining me now. Um, the, what is the Zoom. cat's? What is the cat's name? There's a this cat is on Seb. This is hey, Seb. Seb. I'm a big Shakespeare nerd, so both our names are from Twelfth Night. Um, Olivia and Sebastian are from Twelfth Night. So. Understood. L Liv, you're saying you you just graduated, and I don't mm -hmm. want to date anybody or date you, but does that make you a Zoomer, technically? I think it. Tech I am technically Gen Z. I okay, I wasn't going to slip it earlier, but I was. Right. Five when the recession started oh, so um, okay right so I have a very interesting perspective on that because like my parents were going through that and I watched I watched them experience that uh from a child's point of view which was equally as interesting and confusing yeah wow. I was going to ask because I was also I was nine during the right. 2008 recession so yeah you get a different perspective and then we go through it now kevin is putting his hands over his face because he's so ashamed to be associating with these young people with no memory not, of the culture. no not, no i'm just remembering the recession i'm remembering what happened uh yeah it was a very traumatic time for people you're and and we're still living in the wake of it things things have not um be normalized since then it's something I talk about frequently uh, on Twitter and elsewhere that it was it set a new normal and um, we're still living in it. So, yeah, totally germane. I I lucked out and got into grad school and was able to hide away for a few years when everybody oh, nice. was struggling to get work. People were getting master's degrees coming out. I mean, it even says in the synopsis something like your new your new MBA is worthless at this point. I mean, people yeah. would have you would get. A, I mean, I knew someone who had a master's degree couldn't get a job at Target. <laughs> Nobody was hiring. Uh, yes. And yeah, it creates a lot of a lot of pain. Amanda, what about you? What what are your you have any fond memories of the of the recession? Uh yes, I was probably in between uh Kevin and uh and the zoomers that we have on here. Um but yeah, I would uh nerd moment. I would argue that we're still living in the fallout of uh the 1929 crash. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, well, you work in, I mean, you're, this is kind of your industry. So for, it's for a different podcast. We have, you know, we pick your brain about finance and everything, but no, you're, I, I'm sure you're right. It, this, 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 this system seems to be built on a boom and bust cycle, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, I, so there, there's a little bit of stolen valor, valor here, Liv. Um, I, but I, I'll allow it. You're an actor, right? So we have our, we no, use our, please, okay. like, no, no, we use our imaginations. Um, so uh, you don't have to tell us explicitly like what role you're playing, but I'm very curious, like how, how did you prepare for this? It's your first time at Yellow Tree. What's the process been like? Uh, it's, is it a cast of three? Yes. Yeah, so it's a really tiny cast. We just have three of us. Um, so yeah, like I said, um, Lauren Gunderson actually wrote at the beginning of the play with the character descriptions. Um, Matt is like or Macbeth, and then my character Beth is uh, Lady M, but also M. So there's the idea that my character has a little bit of Macbeth in me too. Um, Beth is a little bit more ambitious and more um, ruthless than Lady Macbeth. She's a little bit more manipulative. Um, and she does this in the way of, um, I mean, both both the boys uh, have been in love with her for a super long time. And it's this awkward, like, will they, won't they situation in the apartment. And um, she really uses that to her advantage. Um, Brandon, our director, really was interested in the idea of, like, a huge switch flip of, like, when I'm really flirting and, like, turning it on and, like, the manipulation clicks in. Um so yeah, I'd say she's like a slightly more evil version of Lady Macbeth. Um, for those of you that are familiar with uh, that Shakespeare play, um, but yeah, uh, Lady Lady Macbeth's pretty evil. So yeah, oh, she is. Evil. Yeah, she is. But if you can believe it, um, yeah, Beth is a little worse. I you'll you'll have to see what I mean. We have to uh, we have to go see to find. We really out. should. Yeah, we really should. How long is it running? It's running until March. March third. 3rd. 3rd. March third. March third. Yeah. Yellow Tree Theater in Osseo. Mm -hmm. Go support live theater. I mean, I, we do mouthing off. You've heard our voices before. If you haven't, hey, welcome to the show. We're also uh, we're always not to. Um, uh, this is a little sidebar, quick, but we're always looking for guests. If you're listening to this and you're a theater maker, somebody involved in theater arts or culture in the Twin Cities, you want to come on badmouthtc at gmail.com send us a message uh so Liv, what what has the process been like how is how are your rehearsals and are you have you you're in the middle of doing the doing the show right now yeah. so how's, it, how's it been going yeah so we opened um a few weeks ago we opened on march no february 2nd uh and we had about i'd say three weeks of rehearsal before tech so it was a really short rehearsal process but you know, there are just three of us. So it's just like scenes between two people or scenes between three people. And we got through it pretty quickly. And um, one thing I, I really found was that our production is so well cast. Like these, you know, like I said, uh, I play someone really evil and like not everyone's a great person in the play, but uh, it's just felt so natural for all of us. Um, these characters came really easily to us. So rehearsal was really fun. It was just a lot of playing um our director really encouraged us to go big or go home make the stupid choices uh if we don't like it we can we can dial it back usually we liked it so um i'd say this show is definitely um 
it feels like we're three clowns on stage sometimes um just like doing uh big physical choices uh having a lot of fun and, and playing off each other is a really really big thing we focused on so yeah it's been a blast and um I'm joined by my castmates are Jason Ballweber. He plays Matt. He's a Yellow Tree regular. He works um, in the box office. And then Alex Gallick is also making his Yellow Tree debut. And he plays Adam. So I've had a blast with those two. It's it's very fun. And so in your email to us, you described some fun design elements that are in the show that you seemed excited about without spoiling anything. What can what can the audience expect aesthetically yes. when they come see the show? So we we do have we've have some incredible designers on this team. Um, Sarah Brandner is our set designer, along with um, we have Sam Haddow on costumes and and working together, and Brant Roberts on uh, props. And so all three of them kind of work together to create this really beautiful, cohesive. Um, believable 2008 apartment um we have every like i i mean this quite literally you could do like a scavenger hunt at intermission to find all of like the easter eggs that they have hidden on stage um we have like like a a playstation 2 i'm trying to think of the period we have like a bunch of like a big cd box full of uh cds we have a, a, a blu-ray dvd of super bad um all these different posters like pulp fiction um real like swords up on the wall um we have a oh, uh, swords a on the wall fake, swords uh, on the wall rock oh right right <laughs> and uh we like a fake fish on the wall um i mean beer bottles everywhere it, they like made it perfectly disgustingly believable um I, I, Oh, I just got to say, I'm, I'm getting a little sick here. Amanda, like our youth is now a period piece. Sort of like oh. horrifying. It, it's so fast. It's happening so fast. It's like, it really is. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. And just talking <laughs> about the flip phones, you know, and the, the uh. Blackberries and how that was like such the things, you know, your Blackberry and it was making the, you know, the special beep beep noise and you had to pay for a ringtone and. Oh my goodness! Those are I the love days. my I love my BlackBerry. They dropped the ball so hard. The Razor was was cool, and then the BlackBerry. Yes. When you got the BlackBerry, that was you. You were upgrading your life. That was going to change everything. Yes, and it did. And it feels like it was two weeks ago, mm-hmm. or like two mm-hmm. months ago, doesn't it? Yeah, and and well, that's because history ended in 1989, and we're just like, well, it's actually, well, we don't have to get into it. <laughs> it's 1969 what is it, the, forever. The Hadrian uh, co- collision happened, or whatever. Sure, right, right, right. <laughs> and and David Bowie died, and we're we're in the the alternate timeline now. So right. fun, yeah. Well, so Easter eggs all over the set. Cast of three, you evil character. Like, mm-hmm. how do you you seem? What we just met. You seem like a nice person. How do you how do you prepare for evil? How do you prepare yourself as an actor for that? Right. So I found um, as an actor, I I play a lot of people that are very different from me, um, and I that's one of the things that I really really enjoy about acting is is getting to explore someone else's brain that is just so different from mine. Um, I I have I have a history of playing villains. Uh, 
in high school, I, you know, was, I was the tall girl who uh, was kind of intimidating. So it was like, you're going to play the evil stepmother. Um, and so it, it all brought me to this. And uh, I, I have a lot of fun, you know, just honestly, it's like I get to do a lot of the stuff that maybe I, I, I don't want to say I wish I could do, but like, it's almost all of a sudden I have permission to just go crazy and like yell at people and, and, you know, go ballistic over something, which in real life I couldn't really do, you know, I don't really, I don't want to put that story into the world. And also, um, I don't know, I think I have morals and my character doesn't necessarily. So, uh, getting to just throw that all away and just have fun and also know that the people I am working with and being quote unquote evil towards know it's just a play. Um, so it's a lot of fun. Mm. What is it like living in the psychological space of a character who has two guys who are both in love with her? I don't know if that's something that everybody, I can't imagine, you know? So what's that like? Yeah, well, I, I certainly have not been in that situation in real life, but it's it was very, um, again, just fun to to live in in something I I have not experienced, and um, it it is it's really um, empowering in a certain way, because um, like I said, she really uses these two guys' um, infatuation with her for her own advantage, like. She starts uh, dating Matt at the end of the second scene, and it's it's clearly a power move. Um, so it's really fun getting to like notice all the things that they're um, they're doing to show their interest in me, and really play off of that and use it for my own benefit. All of this happening too in the middle of a recession where everybody feels start powerless. And so oh, yeah. you've got these interpersonal relationships where the, the men are probably trying to reassert some sense of power. And if they can win the girl, right, if they can get the girl, then they can feel powerful in a in a world that's, you know, giving them no power at all. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I'm just speculating. I've been infatuated in the past. <laughs> I remember. I remember what it feels like, you, you know, overcompensating. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. But well, living in an apartment with two guys that are obsessed with you—that's that's a that's a situation. <laughs> absolutely. Well, and that, that's another thing about like being young during that time and during a time like this, even because it's very hard right now. People land in weird situations where, hey, we got to rent this room out. Uh, hey, so and so's moving out because they got engaged or whatever. And you, you know, these are things that hopefully only happen in your youth. Like, hopefully, you're putting that to bed by. By the time you're, uh, you know, thirty or forty, but not always, and uh, it does lead to some really, really interesting drama and and comedy, you know. And that, oh, that's yeah. kind of a that's kind of a classic configuration too, like that the the uh, two dudes, one gal. I'm thinking about the great British sitcom that I love, Black Books. Have you ever watched Black Books? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We make a, a reference to Three's Company, mm-hmm. right? For sure, mm-hmm. definitely that vibe. Yeah, there's a reason that works. Well. Getting to know you a little bit, are are you a native uh, Minnesotan? Where do you hail from? Tell people about your background in the theater. We'll come back around to Yellow Tree in this production, but yeah. let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, I mean, you you got a playwright in me, you got an actor and a playwright in Mari, and you have an act an actor and Amanda and a voice actor. Amanda does a lot of uh, voice acting, so that's who you're talking right. to, and we're all we're all in it. 
so yeah. Wait. Wait, how did where did you start doing theater? Yeah, so I am from Michigan originally, and I uh, yeah I grew up doing dance like really a lot like competition dance mom style uh, level dance. Um, and then one day I was just so done with it. And my little brother had been doing theater productions and I, I saw that and was like, Oh, that looks amazing. So I dropped out of dance and I, I auditioned for a play. I had my, my stint as a featured dancer for many years. Um, and then I was like, I really want to say lines. I really want to sing. Um, so I started doing more theater at my high school and that led me to just really fall in love with it. I did my first Shakespeare show in high school, my junior year, and it just really locked in for me like, oh, I think this might be it. This is kind of what I want to do. Um, and I've had just so many amazing mentors and who really encouraged me along the way and opened doors for me. And um, one thing that was really exciting that got to happen was I went to Interlochen my senior year of high school. So I moved moved out of my house early. Um, and I, I just had, I, I had a really beautiful senior year. I studied theater. Um, the main reason I went up there was because no one in my hometown um, really had the right resources to go um, help someone audition for BFA programs. Because for those listening, I don't know if you're familiar with this whole audition process for schools and colleges, but it is crazy town. Um, there are so many you have to apply to to even have a chance at going somewhere. So that year really helped me. And I landed over here at the University of Minnesota Guthrie Actor Training Program. And um, I really have fallen in love with Minneapolis. I Unfortunately, COVID hit my freshman year, so I've I've really seen um, I think Minneapolis through a different lens than maybe most people have because I've really only seen it since the pandemic. Um, but I still love it here. I love how much theater is around and available, and how many people are interested in working with new actors and working on new work here. Um, so yeah, when I graduated, it was a little bit of a no-brainer that I wanted to to stay here um, and and continue working around here. Yeah, I've I've worked with some really amazing people that have become mentors or um, people I look up to. So I feel really mm -hmm. lucky that I have that here and I'm going to stick around for a while. I mean, I love it. There is a real trial by fire uh, because it, it has been a gnarly uh you know few years here for for all of the obvious reasons but that's great and i'm sure the cities are better off uh for for having you go gophers oh, tremendous thanks. yeah i'm a transplant originally from from north dakota mari's from michigan oh my uh, gosh yeah michigander i was gonna say we had the michigan competition dance experience because people don't know michigan is a huge competition dance state one of the it biggest is where it's are you massive from? there i'm from outside of detroit Oh, great. I think on I'm your from, website, it said you're from Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor area. From Ann Arbor, yes, yes. All right. Well, yeah, it's, competition it's a great dance, state. competition dance, talk about drama. Woo. Oh, it is not for the faint of heart. Oh, my God. Who? Yeah. Well, I was really I young. Yeah, I would have put a, I'm actually going to put Amanda on the spot here because, Amanda, you were nodding along with the uh, the BFA application process. Maybe the two of you 
could tell us what that's like because you you both did BFAs. Uh, I also Mar- went through that terrible you- audition process. Okay. It, 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 the, give me the because I have no idea really what it's like. Tell me. So, Amanda, so you yeah. guys, I'll tee you guys up first for the BFA because I actually did the MFA, which Ooh. was also very crazy. So go for it, guys. What was it like? Well, I mean, you went through it more recently, but if it's anything like it was in 2016, 2017, you know, you have to, it's incredibly expensive. You have to apply to an audition at like something between like 25 and 50 schools. You have to be academically accepted, which typically isn't the most difficult. I mean, a lot of these schools are not so a lot of them are academically rigorous like the U, but then some of them are less so, but you have to drive around. I mean, I remember going to Ohio like every other weekend because if you, they tell you that if you audition at the school, it's better and you have to dance, you have to act, you have to sing, you have to be in the room with all of your competition. And I mean, I did, I did not really do the dancing and the singing, but I saw a lot of, you know, intimidating warmups and... <laughs> Yeah, it's just the competition is intense. And you go to unified auditions at a hotel. Did you go to the Chicago ones? I went to, so I was going to talk about unifieds. It's kind of like a one-stop shop for all the auditions. Like all the big schools come to um, Chicago or they go to New York. I actually went to both so I could have just two weekends and I didn't have to go to any other part of the country. I just went to New York and Chicago and auditioned for a bunch of schools that weekend. Um, but it's like, it was awful. I mean, my success rate was like ridiculously low. And, you know, now I look back on it. It really defined me back then. Like it was like, I mean, I literally, I did not, I think I got into maybe one musical theater school that I wasn't super interested in going to. And then I got waitlisted at two schools, including the school I went to. So I got off the waitlist. But um, yeah, and I auditioned for like maybe 20 or something. So, um, and now it means nothing. Like now I look back and if you can do the part and they like you and they like what you're given, they're not going to care about the school you went to. Um, It might help you with like connections and like, that certainly has helped me in this community um, through the U, but it really doesn't matter as much as I thought it did. But that doesn't give them the application money. So they definitely don't mm. tell you that. And yeah, the yeah. competition when you go to Unified is fierce. It's one of the worst vibes I've ever experienced. A lot of stage parents, I guess I wasn't yes. really aware of how many parents are so committed to their children going to these big schools like NYU, USC, and a lot of, you know, I didn't have a professional headshot because I was, you know, 17 years old, but all of these kids, professional headshots, their resume was perfect. Their parents were there. They had coaches. I remember a kid um, who was my age. I didn't know what a dramaturg was. Uh, you know, I, you're very lucky listen, if you do listen, when you're I 17. Still, I still don't kid, know what a dramaturg is. That's the joke. But Nobody this kid knows just much. gave me the worst side eye of my life at the Chicago Unifieds because I didn't know what a dramaturg was. When I was 17 and I went to public <sighs> school and I just wanted to do plays. <laughs> it's a terrible experience. Yeah, it's a very humbling. It is very humbling. 
um, I would not ever want to go through that again. So, <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I totally agree with you, Liv, uh, that if you have, I mean, there is some sort of training if you're working that you'll need if you're working on Shakespeare, if you're working in musical theater, if you're uh, trying to uh, project to, you know, a 1500 seat theater, something like that. But nobody starts there. You know, you always work your way up. And if you are a kind person, if you're throwing all the choices out there and you're, you know, willing to just have fun and embody the character, you know, it's not uh, it's not always about the the where you got your BFA and where you got your MFA. And um, my story is so I went to college in Minnesota and sort of found theater in college and I changed my major. My parents loved it. And I knew I needed more training. And so the point for me was uh, going to the Unifieds, which were either in New York, Chicago, or L.A. And so I flew to New York, and it is the same sort of vibe, you know, the the audition room on, on crack, you know, just everybody's warming up and singing and trilling and stretching and splitting on the walls, and it's just crazy. Um but I and they're the first round is you have to it's like a screening audition. So you have to be pre-screened by monitors. And if your audition is not good enough, they don't pass you to the next round. And then the next round is sort of another screening like academics and all that stuff. And then if you pass that round, then you go to you get to audition uh, in front of all the representatives in a massive thousand thousand seat theater all at once so wow. you have one shot and if you mess it up that's it and i mean you could perform absolutely fabulously it was then on the representatives of the schools to be you were, you were invited to an uh to an interview about the program about the specifics of the program and uh you know I was very blessed. I went with a college friend of mine and I got like four interviews and, you know, schools worked out how it did. I ended up going to the University of South Carolina and the school that I had wanted wasn't auditioning that year. They were every other year grad programs. Kevin knows about that. Not everybody accept, accepts a class every year. They do it every other year. And so the school that I wanted to go to was University of Washington. And I was completely Midwestern nice, honest with the guy when he asked me, well, where did you want to go? And I said, well, I wanted to go here. And he laughed. And it turns out he built that program for 10 years. His name is uh, Steve Pearson and his wife is Robin Hunt. And they are absolutely magical human beings and, and teachers and just wonderful. And I'm grateful for the time I had there. Um, however, that does, you know, I was behind the curve on, uh, you know, three, four years older than all of the BFA students. And I would say that I didn't go to school in the city where I wanted to end up. And I highly recommend uh, doing your research and going to a school, even if it's not, it's not the best school, going to a school in a city that is doing work that interests you so that when you're in school, you have those connections because that's that's what's going to get you work at the end of the day. 
It's just, it's kind of a sad fact. It's, uh, it's you know, not, I mean, everybody knows that these programs are about as much about networking right. and learning how to be a human being, you know, in well, a community as any, as much as anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and I think you're told that, you know, and maybe it's again, the Midwestern in us, but you know, oh, you know, it's a lot about networking and who, you know, and you know, how you get in the room and all that stuff. And you're like, oh, plucky, you know, I can get in there. Well, <laughs> Sometimes you can't, and right. you know it's it's frustrating. And so to so to get a head start on that, I highly recommend picking a school in a city that you are interested in. Want to work doesn't mean you have to stay there forever. You know you can work there for five years, become a regional actor, move around. Mm-hmm. You know, this is good. This is helpful because this is a world that I don't know anything about. Any any final words from from you, Liv? You're our guest on that on that process <laughs> and what that was like. I'm very glad you got in uh, to the, to Guthrie and the U. It sounds like you yeah. found your spot. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It definitely felt like um, my my place. I'm really glad I ended up here. And yeah, I was just going to say I, you know, kind of maybe wanted to go to New York or go to Chicago. But, um, you know, I, I was lucky enough to to find Minneapolis. It's kind of a, a hidden gem city when it comes to theater. I feel like, um, yeah, a lot of people don't know know about us over here, but it's just I mean, it's. It's a great city if you want to be able to um, live a quote unquote like normal life and also be an actor. Um, And I I love that about this. And I love that I have the option of like, if I want to grow up, not grow up here, if I want to like continue to live here um, as I grow up, uh, I could, you know, buy a house here, which is really cool. Yeah, there's there's a huge trade-off. I mean, if you go to New York, like being a young actor in New York is going to have a lot less in common you know, in being a young actor in the Twin Cities and it would like LA is going to be its own thing. New York's going to be its own thing. Minneapolis, St. Paul be their own thing. It's maybe a li- the pressure is just simply not as high. Uh, yeah. Fair to say. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We love our, we love our Twin Cities. All right. Yellowtreetheater.com. T-R-E. Tree has two E's. We covered Tree has that. two Yellow- E's. <laughs> Theater <laughs> has... R-E. R-E. Yeah. Yellowtreetheater.com. I'm going to bring it back around to, to the show. Can I read, may I read the synopsis? Oh my gosh, okay. please. I'm do it. Okay. So this is uh toil and trouble yellow tree theater by Lauren Gunderson uh, from February 2nd to March 3rd. So you've got time here in, in 2024. Here's the synopsis. Underemployed 30-something roommates Matt, Beth, and Adam are officially in a rut and the 2008 recession. The fancy MBA is a non-starter, gig work is barely covering the bills, and the only one with a real job is treated like a glorified intern. But when takeout fortune cookies start hitting a little too close to home, a darkly hilarious scheme to conquer an island nation will forge the three together if it doesn't drive them apart first. Toil and Trouble is a modern, punchy, but still bloody adaptation of Shakespeare's Macbeth by award-winning playwright Lauren Gunderson about bros, situationships, unrelenting ambition, and the San Francisco Giants. 90-minute runtime. There's a 15-minute intermission, and you can use code 30 for a discount, all caps 30. Uh, And it looks like they have a box office number, too. It's 763-493-873. Three. That sounds like a fun night at the theater. It sounds fun, funny. Oh, yeah. We got a lot packed in in 90 minutes. So you'll be in for a laugh. I said the word, too. <laughs> I, gotta, I, like, I know. Go. It was I, great. Listen, 
I committed to the read. I really, I really committed to the read. Is is the play very physical? Or are y'all kind of running around, moving around a lot? Or what's the story? Oh my gosh, play? yes. Um, I think the three of us happen to be very physical actors, so I think it was bound to be. Um, but oh, for sure, there's a lot of physical comedy. Um, a lot of great one-liners. Um, just lots of lots of funny millennial humor about the recession. Like one of my favorite quotes is like, "Borders won't even let me in. Starbucks won't let me in. Like we've tried everything we can mm -hmm. online." Um, and it's 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 very it's very funny and punchy. Yeah. To find work, you mean? They just can't. Oh. They can't find work anywhere. Oh yeah, yeah. no, yeah. So yeah. they turn to um, taking over an island. Perfect. I mean, and the the level of stress that Americans feel too when it's like you literally cannot get a job. I mean, it's just horrific. I mean, the the bottom is so low in this country. There's just no safety net for for somebody who's just coming out of college with a bunch of debt. What are you going to do? You're going to go live with your parents? I mean, it's mortifying the the very thought of thought of it. And a lot of people have been, you know end up having to do that. Um, yeah, I saw you. I saw you nodding, Mari. <laughs> you seem well, to relate. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know what you're gonna do when you graduate into harsh economic times. You're gonna go to Minneapolis and be an actor. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I guess. What, yeah. So you, um, you say you you uh, you're from Ann Arbor and you went to Interlochen. Tell me a little more about Inter Interlochen because I don't know. This is a thing that you know people in Michigan seem to know, and maybe I, as a theater person, should know. So I guess you know, tell me what what's the story? Oh there? yeah. Yeah. yeah, so um, it's mainly known as a camp, Interlochen Arts Camp. Um, and during the school year, there's an academy program for students. It's, I mean, a whole year round of school. Um, so I was up there for a year. And yeah, it's a boarding school. So I had a little dorm. Um, and there are a bunch of different majors. So like, I had people in my hall that were dance majors and visual art majors and filmmakers and um, other theater arts folks. So it was like a really, really beautiful um, experience for like nine months to be surrounded by some of like the best young artists in the country and honestly around the world because we had a lot of international students. Um, so yeah, I, I felt so lucky to be up there because, you know, in my hometown, there wasn't a lot of art or a lot of opportunities for young people. Um, you know, I kind of had the idea if I'm going to go to school anywhere, it's going to be uh, University of Michigan, which is like impossible to get into. Um, and that kind of felt like my only option. So, uh, yeah, up there I got introduced to, I mean, this program that I ended up going to. I don't think I would have known about it otherwise. Um, and yeah, just a lot of great artistic mentors, folks that have worked in different industries for a really long time. It was like... A really big blessing i got to go there for a year it sounds like because i know people who just kind of did boarding school for high school and mm -hmm. my you know middle class you know wor working slash middle class whatever person from north dakota i kind of recoil at that i go wait what like really yeah. but it sounds to me and that's fine i'm sure and i know it works for some people um but in your case it sounds like you got like a like a year-long arts boot camp to get you ready to then go to the next thing. And that I can kind of, I can kind of see, I can kind of get behind because you're probably mature enough to go away from home. Yes. You know, and yeah. I, I have a very wonderful retired dentist uh, 
great uncle that was very supportive of my artistic career. So I was able to go. Um, and I, I really, I mean, boarding school was never on my radar. It's something I thought was an option for me or something I thought I would do. But um, this just appeared and it, it really, again, it felt like the universe brought me to to where I needed to be. And That area yeah. of Michigan is slept on too. It's, oh, it's incredible. It's right, right by Traverse City. Uh, right, am I correct? It's kind of outside yes. there. Yeah, the yes. cherry capital. The cherries everywhere. We have cherries in everything. And then, I mean, and then you can you can go and it's, it's almost like you have like a the beaches over there. I mean, it's just incredible. Oh, it's gorgeous. Lake Michigan is is insanely beautiful. Um, yeah, summers up there are just gorgeous. Winters must be a little rough, but I mean, you're probably used to it. I've heard, I've oh, heard yeah. people call call Michigan the Florida of the North. What do you honestly? Yeah, but I would say though, Interlochen is at. I'm going to pull up my little hand. She's the mitt. The mitt is up. Mm-hmm. The mitten map. Uh, mm-hmm. Interlochen is up near the top of the pinky, so it's actually at like the same um, latitude as Minneapolis, I think. Mm. So mm-hmm. we get similar winters. It's pretty brutal. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, it builds it builds character. You can hang if you yeah. can hang on to the winters, it builds character. Oh yeah. So uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to Minneapolis, no big deal. It's like the same thing. Absolutely. And Minneapolis is a is a properly big city, a little different from that part of the mitt in Michigan. You got a lot of oh, things yeah. uh to offer up here. And it comes and goes. The vibes out here, you know, like it's been a weird few years, but there there will be a a golden age in the Twin Cities again. And uh I I I promise you that. People who've lived here for long enough know that it it's got enough energy and enough creative people and enough vibes and it's eclectic enough and diverse enough and there's always mm-hmm. fresh 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 meat coming in let's say that sounds a little dark but there's always the you know like there's always some uh some you know redneck and a turtleneck like me coming off the farm from from the dakotas and, and out state minnesota to to populate the u to populate all the universities right. there's fresh blood and it's there's turnover so uh and i and i really appreciate that you you know maybe you end up being a lifer maybe you do buy a house here who Wouldn't knows that be cool who knows? I, I like it here, and, and really, people welcome me with like open arms. Um, it's such a lovely community here. It it truly is. It really is. Um, I saw too that you were you were at History Theater, which is one of my very favorite theaters in town. Here, I'm a huge history guy. Uh, I was actually I got my degree in history at the U. Um, Gosh, cool. It, yeah, fun. Yeah. So, so, and I did a little work with them. Um, in the past. So, tell me what what was that like? So, you worked on I Am Betty at History. Yes, Theater? yes. So that was the project I did right before this, um, around Christmas time, around the holidays. Um, I worked on I Am Betty, which was uh, a world premiere new musical about uh, the history of Betty Crocker, because that you know was started and created in Mill City, Minneapolis. So, uh, yeah, it was it was honestly like one of the most amazing experiences of my life because it was almost an entirely female cast and creative team so it was a nine-woman cast we played all the roles including all the men which is very exciting um it was written and directed and composed by women um and so yeah it was just like through the entire story uh like women's true women's stories and true female perspectives really ran through the veins of the whole project. Um, And yeah, our audiences really loved it and it really brought people together. We had a lot of like 
retired Bettys come in um, who used to work in the test kitchens and they come in with their little red spoons and their aprons. And it was a really lovely like community event. Um, and I was, I felt so lucky I got to be a part of something like that. History theater does a really good job with oh, that, yeah. in, you know, integrating the community, giving context, putting on shows their audiences really want to see. Yeah. Without right. pandering. Yeah. Uh, and, and I really admire what they do. I love that space too. Um, it's just that theater is just, it's just the right size and it's just a good, good fit. Amanda, you have something. Yeah, no, we, I just want to sh say a shout out to Ruthie Baker, who was on the podcast yes. during the show, who was absolutely lovely. And I just got to say, like, if you have two actors who are really talking about how much they love the show, they love the creative process. I mean, that's just a testament to how much the audience is going to love it, too, and how genuine it is. So kudos to you guys. It's awesome. Yeah, yes. That's how I found out about this podcast was Ruthie's episode. So shout out Ruthie yeah. Baker. Ruthie Baker. And I will repeat it again. Anybody in the cities particularly theater, but culture, arts, badmouthtc at gmail.com. You can go to our website too, badmouthtc.com. We're on 94.1 Frogtown Radio and online, wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify is a good place for it, but you can find it all at badmouthtc.com. We're waiting with bated breath to see if we get into the fringe, the fringe lottery. That's what we're mm. up to. We were we were going to do a few readings this, this kind of winter spring but we put the kibosh on that to kind of like re recuperate get our heads together work on some new writing and i guess maybe the fringe will be the next thing we do we have to see have you done have you have you done the fringe uh live since you've been i here? did sure do it have. last year i um yeah. i wasn't directing i was i was an actor in in a show but yeah, it was my first year doing the fringe it was really exciting i didn't know how big of a an event it was what was the show you did I did a show called Verities, uh, written by Anthony Stanton. It was like a, an evening of storytelling. He um, was living in New York during the AIDS epidemic in uh, the 80s and 90s. And it was just a beautiful night of like storytelling about his life, his experiences. And I was like a cabaret singer. So I was singing alongside his, his story. So it's beautiful. What's your favorite kind of play to do you prefer musicals you prefer straight plays what do you you know you're on in a you're on a desert island and you know you're going to be cast in a play miraculously mysteriously what do you you know yeah i know this is so hard and and something i'm thinking about all the time i i love both um i think singing is so special to me singing can be like really therapeutic for me and really calming and really um empowering for me so i think if i were on a desert island i'd have to choose musicals so i would have songs to sing um but there is something so great about really delving into a character in a play um because you just get more meat like in the text there so oh it's such a hard question but i feel <laughs> like in my heart of hearts i started with musicals and i think that's that's where i always will return to all right. So your favorite musical or the musical that that got you going, wow, that blew your mind. Oh. Favorites are hard, I know. I know. I I think like the first memory I have of a musical is Sound of Music. That I mean, life changer, my whole family's obsessed. But the first one I saw live that really I was like, oh, 
yeah, this is it, was carousel, interestingly enough. I think that's usually a quote-unquote problem play, problem musical. Um, I just, it hit me. It hit me right in, in the gut. And I loved the use of ballet and the complex relationships and yeah. It hit you and it felt like a kiss. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The famous carousel line. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, carousel, it has its problems, but it, it did make me fall in love with musicals. Mm. Excellent. All right. Well, let's, uh, let, let's wrap this up with again, pertinent links where people can find you pitch the play one more time, all of it. Yeah, for sure. So if you want to buy tickets to see Toil and Trouble, you can visit yellowtreetheaterre.com slash toil and trouble. Um, use code 30, all caps for $30 tickets. Um, if you want to check out Yellow Tree on Instagram, pretty sure it's just Yellow Tree Theater on Instagram. If you want to find me on Instagram, uh, Kemp Olivia. And my website is oliviajanekemp.com, I believe. Yes. Let me double check. Yeah, it's it's oliviajkemp.com. It looks just like kidding. you do. J, not yeah, J. Oliviajkemp.com. It also looks like you build websites for people too, huh? I do. Yes. That's cool. another, that's a side gig I do. So yeah. I love building websites. If you need one, let hey, me know. There you go. So uh, live camp actor, twin cities, transplant from Michigan, a Michigander by way of Interlochen. But I think we, I think she's honorary. What do y'all think? Amanda <laughs> Mari? She's in. We, yeah, she's, she's in. in. She's in she the can't club. Leave now. Yeah, <laughs> she's stuck. Well, Liv, this is an open door, so you can come on anytime. You know where to find us. Uh, really well, appreciate you. you coming on. All right. And you've been listening to Mouthing Off from Bad Mouth Theater Company. I'm Kevin Couchman with Mari Sittner and Amanda Forstrom, 94.1 FM, Frogtown Radio. You know where to find us, badmouthtc.com. Thanks again, Liv. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks.